Welcome to the Pet Grooming Business Podcast with me, Bill Betts, where we give practical business advice to help you grow your pet grooming business. This podcast is sponsored by LowPay, the low-rate payment app that gives you more. So without further ado, let's get going. Welcome everyone. This is uh, we're live Tuesday lunchtime, so as I always like to call it, lunch and learn. Uh, and I'm joined today by Debbie from Potter Paws Dog Training. How are you doing? Hiya. You all good? I'm all good, thank you. Yeah. Surviving, that's the main thing. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so I, you know, it's a it's a dog grooming um podcast or dog grooming Facebook group that we're in as well at the moment. And people might be thinking, oh, this is a bit bit different having a, a dog trainer come in, but you know, same sector, but it's also we're going to have a chat about um, the dog group, the dog training business element, and uh, and how you came into the industry and your experience as being a business owner and stuff. So I thought it's all it's all relevant, and we've absolutely we've, we've met through a, a mutual coach as well, haven't we? So we have, yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that in a bit as well about getting mentorship and coaching in your life and how that's helped you. So okay. let's uh, let's start us off. Let's talk about um, Potter's Paws and and how you got into the dog training world? It By complete accident. There's no fancy story. Many people have a really nice story about, oh, I was inspired. Mine was complete accident. Um, so <laughs> my youngest daughter started school um, a long time ago now, about eight, eight years ago. Right. And um, I needed a job. I didn't want to be employed by anybody. I wanted to be flexible. I didn't want to work school holidays. So I just had a little idea and I thought, you know what? I might do a bit of dog walking. Be easy. I've always had dogs. Um, so I did. And it became very successful very quickly. We were absolutely full. Um, I took on my husband and he started working for me. Um, very brave. He doesn't do it anymore. <laughs> it didn't last long. <laughs> he didn't know what he was wanting a little bit of a career break. So he went part-time in his job and helped me out. Um, and it was probably not long after, I would say maybe about six months to a year. I was like, I feel I need to give more. And I started getting really frustrated with that. I knew how to help the dogs mm-hmm. and to get their lives better, but the owners weren't necessarily on board because they just wanted someone to walk their dog. So I was getting increasingly frustrated. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do a few courses in dog training. And that's what I did. And I didn't ever have the intention of running a dog training school. Um, It kind of just happened. (laughs) Um, So it's not a very exciting story, but um, we started doing dog training, qualified, and then the business has just grown and grown and grown. Um, And now I have a team of trainers um team office staff wow and a lovely venue and it was all by accident <laughs> all just like whoops six years later i've got a team <laughs> it was a bit like that yeah and some days i have a little reality check and go is this really what i wanted to do um it was never planned but i absolutely love it so that's the you know i get a lot of job satisfaction so that's the main thing I think, you know, obviously dog training, dog grooming, I think there is a real crossover within the industries. And I think the stories is very similar as well. People set up their dog grooming um, business and they think, oh, I'll just go in, I'll just go and do a few dogs in people's houses. And then all of a sudden they realize, bloody hell, there's, there's a lot of demand. This is what happened to yeah. us. 
you know, there's people. And it's fun. Only. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden you look around, you look got like this beast of this, what I used to call like a beast of a business, which is like <laughs> throwing you around with employees and customers coming out your ears. And everyone should be like, well, that's great, isn't it? But actually sometimes it's overwhelming. Sometimes you go, it was so much easier for working in Tesco's and just went to work, did my job and come home again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what did you do before um, the dog training world? Um, <laughs> a little bit of everything and anything. Um, okay. but primarily, I worked in offices um, and a little bit of accounts offices, which is highly boring, really. Yeah. Um, it wasn't for me, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I never found my passion. Um, and then dogs came along. And I take it you had your own dogs at the time or? Yeah. Yeah. So I've had, I've lived with dogs since I was very small, um, but I had my own dog. Um, and then just as I sort of transitioned from walking into training, I got my first puppy who taught me probably how not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the next few puppies, I've got three dogs currently. Um, yeah. The next few, I perfected my skills. And obviously all those things that I've learned, I've put back into my clients now. Yeah. Um, so I say, if you want to know how not to do it, look at my first dog. <laughs> very similar stories as well i get a lot of people come and speak to me and say well i bought a cockapoo or i bought a, uh, a spaniel and i wanted to learn how to groom it myself and enjoyed it and then started that sort of started the ball rolling with their own their own businesses yeah i think that's definitely apparent since covid as well when people had to learn to groom their own dogs or well, some people yeah. did yeah. um and then they started realizing actually this could be good yeah, there's, uh, you know, COVID, and I, I've mentioned this quite a few times, COVID always brings a story out. There's always a, a COVID story. If I sit there and say, right, tell us about your business. Like, well, during lockdown, I was sitting there thinking, I'm really bored of being in this office and I want to do something different. So you're, you're pre-COVID, weren't you, when you started your business? We were, but it definitely had a massive impact on us um, because many people went, well, I can't do anything. Mm. Whereas we said, well, I said, I cannot, I cannot sit back and do nothing. I've just built the business up. I'm just thinking about employing my first member of staff who volunteered with me. I can't do, I can't let this fall. I can't, I'm, I've put too much effort into it. Um, so we decided to switch everything virtual and we did all of our dog training on Zoom, wow. um, which many people were very skeptical about. How can you train dogs on Zoom? Um, but it was where most people realized actually it's more about me. <laughs> than the dog so obviously there was a massive puppy boom um and we went from doing two puppy classes a week to seven during covid awesome um, all online yeah um as well as all of our other classes um and it was i think for most people it was really sort of eye-opening as to how you can use just everyday equipment lying around the house to like make obstacle courses and to just interact with your dog so it was really fun for us to how to work on our feet a little bit um but also it was the point where so that puppy boom has obviously grown our business yeah so, i mean and massive, also, point. massive hats off to you as well because i bet there was a lot of dog trainers sitting there uh i can, I can remember actually um the day that I think Boris was about to come onto the raid onto the TV, or it was the day before, or he was building, and I was driving back from Birmingham, just thinking, you know, what's this going to be about? What's this going to mm. be? Like? And I bet there's so many businesses that the dog groomers out there as well, thinking, shit, what's going to happen? And dog trainers, you must have all been sitting there thinking, shit, what's going to happen? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, I remember sitting there crying my eyes out, like going, what on earth am I going to do? Yeah. Um, but luckily my husband stayed employed because he's um, worked at the NHS. So he was okay. Oh, wow. We knew he had a job. So that was good. Um, and it was the point where we said, actually, we're not going to walk anymore. 
we're not going to we're kind of sort of doing hybrid training and walking for such a period of time it helped us make some really good decisions for the business so it was obviously a terrible situation to be in yeah. but um lots of positive came from it had you even heard of zoom before covid no <laughs> <laughs> never 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 used it at all um, so what, what gave you the idea? I mean, I, I didn't know you during COVID, but I actually, um, I've got other uh, um, associates who I know uh, do online dog training. They're in the in the same position and they just switched their business overnight and went online, which, as you've proven, you know, it's just expanded business for them. And, uh, mm. and I, I actually took one of their, we had a, uh, a lab puppy at the time, and I took one of their online courses and I was amazed at how much, you know, the, the dog trainer was looking at my dog over Zoom, positioning the camera, and as soon as the dog did something correct, you know, it was like she found, she saw it. She saw it every time the dog did something correct over Zoom. It was like, yep, there we go, reward sort of thing. And I was like, yeah. it really does work. It really does because – and it's kind of opened up a world that we can train virtually. Yeah. Um, you, know, you don't have to be right on the doorstep. You know, we've now trained people in Cornwall, in um, – Northumberland, loads of different places that we would never have reached before. Mm. Um, and it's also developed our online programs as well. So it's just created so much more opportunity, which is great. So how did you, um, how, what made you pivot? What made you go to Zoom? Can you remember, was it advice from someone? Or? No, I don't think so. I think I just saw some other people going, oh, let's do this. Mm. And I think Zoom had already sort of started to kind of come in and people had already sort of said, oh, we're going to try and do it online. And I thought, well, if they can do it, why can't I? Mm. You know, if your dance class can go online. I was a girl guide volunteer at the time. So I was like, if we can do guide meetings online, if we can do work online, why can't we train dogs online? Um, And I remember saying to our first clients, this is new. (laughs) I've got no idea how it's going to work. Um, But it works so well. And as you say, we can see over on computer, we can see the screens, we can see what people are doing and we can say, you know, just do this slightly, do that slightly, look at this, look at that. So it's no different really from our perspective. We look from the outside in when we're training anyway. Mm. So we're just a little bit (laughs) further removed. Um, But it also highlighted the opportunities to educate people on the theory side of things as well, which I think maybe before COVID we hadn't done as much. So there was a lot more emphasis online of teaching the people rather than the dogs. So it was just more opportunities came about. This podcast is sponsored by Lowpay. Lowpay is half the price of SumUp and Zettle, so you keep more of the money that you earn. Rates start at 0.79%. Yeah, and you know it's something that in in the the grooming industry there's a lot of frustration. I think with pet groomers, you know, we're, we're very very busy people and don't get an awful lot of opportunity to sit down with people and uh like you said provide that education for mm. so we write blogs and emails and stuff but you're now running sort of educational courses for for um dog owners yeah you know, maybe that com- does that come before the actual training classes you know go and go and do the homework before you start the training it does for our puppy classes so our puppy um we don't do a puppy class anymore we do a puppy program so as soon as somebody books their puppy class they get our online puppy course which is almost like preschool for puppies mm-hmm. so it's educating them on the common puppy issues like puppy biting and toilet training they get that from the moment they book so 
they don't have to wait to come to class when the puppy's 10, 12 weeks old, when they've missed sort of four weeks window of opportunity. Mm. Um, they've got that knowledge from day one. And as we say, you know, at the end of class, we can quickly answer a question, but you've now got a 40 minute chat all about it that gives you everything you need to know. So they're coming into class already having worked on those common issues that tend to be the ones that people pull their hair out over. Um, and then when they do come to class, we can focus more on the actual training and the puppy as a puppy rather than all the headache that comes with settling them in the house. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I remember when I, we got our first Labrador puppy, I had a week's puppy leave <laughs> from work. I took a week off to do that initial, you know, mm. training, you know, sleep patterns, everything like that. Um, and that that dog was was awesome. The the subsequent dogs, I didn't take the time off. And <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I think again, you know, I encourage a lot of my clients to put together a puppy package similar to that. So yeah, get them used to grooming. So maybe you know, these are added extras that we could be looking at as an industry. Absolutely, absolutely. You, you know, even simple things like which brush to use, because so many owners are not aware of what that the different there's different brushes around <laughs> um, and each coat needs a different brush most people don't know that so I, little online courses yeah. would be a pretty good idea a lot of them don't know they have to brush a dog <laughs> very true <laughs> so just do it itself it, it sounds like you have a very common um, frustration and that is the, you know it's not the dogs the dogs are fine it's the people mm. And it's Absolutely. the people, it's the owners, it's the dog owners. So there's a very common sort of frustration. Have you gone and done any education around how to teach people or how to speak to people? Or is it just, you know, just your your life skills in, in general? At the moment, it's purely been life skills. Um, and I've always worked with people. Um, I say I've volunteered for Girl Guiding for 20 years. So um, lots of people interactions with that. Um, so lots of people skills lots of interaction and i think um learning more about children and as i mentioned before we had went live my kids are neurodivergent so learning about how people tick and mm. the different types of people and how patient you need to be and how you can phrase things slightly differently to get, get through to different people has helped me to be able to relate to more people um obviously i've read books about you know coaching people a little bit um but my next step is i'd like to do more about the people side because it's the people side that's so important um so i'm currently that's my plan for next year to do a little find some course or or program where i can learn more about actually communicating getting the best from people because as you said they're the, they're the important bit <laughs> they're yeah, the ones we've got to get through to that's it. You know, the, the dog is like the dog or the pet is easy, isn't it? It's the mm. people. It's training the people. Is, is the Absolutely. Easy. And I'm also gonna... making things manageable in busy lives, which is quite difficult for most people, I think. Yeah. And I did a talk last week um, with someone around um, compassion fatigue. And I think that's something that we find in the industry. I don't know if it's similar in the, in the dog training industry, but the owners certainly add to that compassion fatigue because they're not doing what they're told, you know, they're not treating the animals right. They're not brushing the dogs. They're not training the dogs correctly. And that frustration builds up and, and, and sort of adds to the compassion fatigue that we find ourselves in. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you start having self, whether it's with any aspect, you have self doubt of yourself and go, maybe I shouldn't have got a dog in the first place. Um, and all of those negatives come in. So it's, it's all about people. Um, people feeling positive and feeling like they can do stuff 
and not being dragged down by the nitty gritty. Yeah. So tell us um, about Potter's Paws. What um, what services do you offer to everyone? So we are a dog training school. So we offer puppy training through to adult dog training. Um, We cover a bit of everything. Uh, We're quite lucky. We've got um, three trainers. So everyone's got their speciality. um, So we can offer a little bit of everything. Um, so we are kind of like the go-to. We can offer scent training, Hooper's agility, gun dog work. Um, and one of our sort of main areas is our membership program. So it's relatively unique um, in that people don't just come to us for one class. They become a member and they stay with us training for as long as they like and they become part of our community. So I think our longest standing members have been with us for five years now. Um, they come every single week and um, we've seen their puppies grow from puppy through to adulthood and they come just because they want to enjoy being here and having an hour out of normal life focusing on their dog and we have formed a community so all of our members are friends we go out for Christmas dinner with them um, it's really nice feel so it's not just about training the dog we're more about creating a environment and a community for dog owners. Yeah, and I think that's what brings them back, isn't it? It's just not mm. community that that community feel that they end up making lifelong friends. Absolutely, all got, all got dogs in common. So you know, yeah, and about. a lot of our members do now. They're like, "Oh, we're going out for coffee after this," um, <laughs> and it's really nice that they've almost found new friends through us. It's it's nice to know that we're facilitating that. Yeah, and I think you know a lot of businesses start to step away from that, haven't they? Where it's maybe because of the online space or you know withdrawal from the high streets and stuff like that mm-hmm. but actually the online space allows you to start to build that community and then you can bring them together um, yeah you know I, I i know a dog groomer actually um who i think organizes like dog walks so amazing you know get them to get 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 their customers mm. and clients together and you know chat yeah i think especially in the last few years we've kind of forgotten how to talk to people yeah. Um, everyone has become a little bit more isolated. Um, so it's nice for people to get out and chat to each other. And what's good for you, obviously, is it creates that monthly recurring revenue, doesn't it? It does, yes. So we know we've got that much money coming in each month. Um, majority of our members then upgrade. So they don't just come to one class. Some of them come to two or three classes a week. So they might as well move in. Um, and obviously, they keep coming back. They must like us. <laughs> and therefore, they talk to their friends and tell them about us so it's not just about them coming back to training each week it is the recurring income and it is almost free marketing because they get merch um for being a member so they all get a little rucksack with our logo on and that goes off around the country as they go on their walking holidays um so it has a few benefits to it as well which yeah. aren't there on the surface it's not until you start looking underneath and go oh yeah they do that and they they, they do this and <laughs> they do a lot for us and then when lovely yeah and once they've they've started experiencing you know potter's paws they start you start to build that no like and trust up with them the upsell you know the, the continuation of them in, within your business is so much easier isn't it it certainly is and many of them then come to extra things and more and more things um you know, despite coming to training three times a week they then book extra activity days or they want to try everything we've got on offer just to see if it's good Um, which they know it's going to be because they like coming. Um, So, yeah, it does. It has so many knock-on effects that you just wouldn't realise are there. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. So, um, but obviously as a a, a business owner, business is always like a bit of a roller coaster, isn't it? 
Well, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we sometimes sit here and we like sing the praises and go, well, oh, this is working really well. But deep, deep down, there's always something to be sort of a yin and a yang, a spinning plate. Always. That keep going. Always. Yeah. Absolutely. So what's it, Sorry, what's it like? What's it like running um, a dog, a, a busy dog training business with staff and and all and all sorts? Uh, it's challenging. You know, there's so much to it. Um, obviously, our members are great because they provide that regular income, but we do have to constantly market to new dog owners to get new people through the door. So the marketing side of things is real headache <laughs> um constantly trying to get new people in um and obviously we've got a huge overhead now because we have a venue that we lease so it's a it's i probably earn less than a single one-man band um groomer because we've got so many overheads um but we've only been in the venue for a little while so we're still building that and developing new opportunities now we are here um we've been moved in just over a year so um that, does, that sounds quite a long time, but um, it's been taking forever to get all the little bits where yeah. we want them to be. Um, and obviously, yeah, managing staff. I'm lucky that our staff are pretty much, you know, a family. We all get on so well together. But we do have our office lady who has children, so school holidays, and she has more time off. Um, and, you know, life happens. We all have dogs. So if anything goes wrong with our dogs, then we'll have to take time off. So it is it does bring those extra challenges of managing people. Um, not something I ever really expected to be doing. <laughs> no. So it's, it's new skills for me as well. I'm having to learn all the time. Um, and you forget how much you've had to learn and how many books you've read and how many sort of areas you've looked at for support. Um, but yeah, it is obviously an ups and downs. Some days you go, gosh, it's brilliant. Another month you go, oh, that was a bit of a tight month. Um, but that's business. Everyone has the same, don't they? Yeah, that's it. And I was talking to um, some of my clients last night and we were talking about staff and, and many people shy away from having staff. But I think having staff obviously helps you to start to scale your business. It helps mm-hmm. you, if you if you need to have holiday and your business can carry on. So it, it, it creates consistency and uh, um, so, go on. Absolutely. Yeah, it creates consistency. So on a holiday. Um, mm. Sorry, just, we froze there. My back. Yeah, just wait for your internet to re- reconnect. So yeah, Sorry. but like you said, no one teaches you. No one teaches you how to how to run a team, do they? Unless you're no. management, but no one teaches you this. Absolutely, it's amazing how many times I go. Oh, I like like business studies when I was like sixteen. <laughs> and I go, oh, yeah, do you remember that? But yeah, there's so many skills, you know, employment law and you know, health and safety. That things you just go, wow, I don't know all this. Which is where we're so fortunate. There are so many people that expertise in their areas that you can call on other people um, to do those things for you, which is quite nice. I don't know. I mean, we 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 struggled for many years trying to do it all ourselves. Do you outsource things like your HR and? and I do and outsource quite a lot. Yeah, to begin with, I was very reluctant um, because I was like, oh, "That's money I'm having to pay out." But the hours it has saved me and the headache of me getting it wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So we do outsource bookkeeping. I outsource um, my email marketing because I don't like doing it because um, it takes me hours to work out what to say. Yeah. Um, and I just send my email marketer four sentences and she produces this wonderful um, document. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. How did you do that? 
Um, and it, it converts. Her emails get a lot more traction and a lot more interaction than mine would. Um, so, yeah, it's for me, outsourcing. If you're not sure how to do something or if it's something you're not confident doing, outsourcing is amazing. I swear it's looking at it very simply, isn't it? Like you're a dog trainer. That's your that's your that's your skill. You're not a bookkeeper, an accountant, uh, you know, HR advisor. This is this is like other people have gone away and learned to do all this. So this is why we outsource, isn't it? Absolutely. And then you know you're doing it right as well. There's always that worry of have I done it right? You know, have I clicked the wrong button? Have I not submitted my VAT return correctly? Am I going to get a massive bill? Whereas you've put it in the hands of somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. So it gives you that confidence. You haven't got one less thing to worry about. I actually think, you know, having, being, treating your business like that actually gives, I would think, gives your staff that confidence as well to know that they're going to be well treated. You know, Mm -hmm. they're going to have everything done correctly. They're going to have contracts. They're going to have, you know, pay slips. They're going to know exactly where they are. And they've got someone to go to to speak to issues about. And you can get the correct answers for them if need be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think particularly in our industry, not many people, um, I don't know what it's like in the pet grooming industry, but in the dog training industry, most people are employed as self-employed. So there's no contract. And they can pick you up and drop you whenever they choose. So I, I personally find doing it differently and having employed members of staff, they've got security. They know I am going to pay them every month. Um, they are going to be treated well. And equally, because I look after them, they look after me. Yeah, I love that phrase. It was a bit of a slip, but I think it really reflects the employed, self-employed. Because yeah. you know, there's big battles in these industries about what mm. is. You know, and I don't think uh, the government make it <laughs> easy by not actually defining what there is a definition about self-employed, but there's so many grey areas. But certainly, you see it quite a lot. Employed, self-employed. I like that phrase. I'm going to keep that one in, the, in my. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, giving giving people the confidence to come to you and say, right, you're going to have a contract. You're going to be paid. You're going to be part of our team. You know, and it gives that reassurance, doesn't it? And they work harder for you, I believe. If you, you know, it's like with anything, you treat people how you want to be treated, mm. and if you treat your staff well, then they double that back to you. you know, they shout about your brand. They shout about the company. They don't go home and slag off their boss because they're a pain. Um, <laughs> they then, more people they know, then feed back into you. So it's it's a win-win situation, really. Yeah, it, it's, it, so they benefit that your business does well, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the more the business does, the more they're likely to get a pay rise or um, have extra holiday or whatever. So yeah, everyone wins if if everyone's happy. Now, a big question. Here's here's one which um, groomers often struggle with. Do you allow staff to take their dogs to work with them? Yes. Yeah, we do. Um, we have a little rotor <laughs> um, as to who's allowed their dog in on what day. Oh, um, that's interesting. It's, it works well for us. Um, we have training classes five days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so different staff members work on different days of the week in terms of when they're actually delivering to clients and then they have different admin hours. So if it's your admin day, then it's your day to bring a dog in basically. Um, so we have a little rotor as to who's bringing their dogs in, who, where, um, purely because if they were all in at the same time, we'd get no work done. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but obviously, yeah, they do get to come into the office. Um, our office is within our barn. So they get to run around. They get to go make use of our training fields when they're not in use. So they get a lovely life coming into work with us. So massive perk as well. A massive perk of the job, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and my my staff, I think they're quite lucky. They might disagree, but you know, they do get free dog training classes. We all take it in turns to go to each other's classes so that we all get to enjoy taking part as well as delivering, which is nice for us all to do. Yeah. Is there any other quirky perks that you give your staff that you can think of? Um, they get some CPD training, so they can pick whatever course they want to do for the year, mm-hmm. um, and we pay for half of it. Um, and we also have a secure field that we rent out. So they get to use that a couple of times a month as well. Um, uh, can't think of anything else. Oh, we actually, yeah, we do have a really cool um, perk. We have personal training every week. Um, it's a skill swap. So yeah. one of our members is a personal trainer and he comes to our classes for free and then comes and delivers personal training to our staff once a week. Awesome. It's great fun. Um, and obviously he's a local business person just the same. So he shouts about us, we shout about him, share each other on social media, say, oh, we've been doing this today. Um, yeah. So again, it's it's more interaction, it's more connections. Um, and we both benefit without having to exchange any money. Well, and also, we, you know, mental health is is on the rise or is, is more talked about nowadays. So, you know, having something like that for your staff where it's getting them active, it's it's taking them away from the day job, as it were, but it's getting them exactly. active, moving. It's good. It's good for the endorphins as well, isn't it? Mm, it really is. Yeah, it's great fun as well. It's amazing how, because he comes to us, so what you can do in a dog training barn in terms of fitness is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a really good perk. I like that. Now, something of, of you mentioned something earlier, which was the the dreaded VAT. Now, it's something that <laughs> people are now in the in the pet grooming industry that it, you know they can run a, a business and start a business quite quickly, and they can get to the VAT um, limit barrier, whatever you want to call it, um, very quickly as well. And mm. I've done a podcast before about you know a hundred grand business with two or three people in it. It's quite easy to get to. And some people turn around and they're quite surprised at how quickly they reach yeah. the okay. Well, obviously, the dog grooming industry, uh, dog training industry is very similar where you have a lot of one person businesses, but you're you're a lot bigger. What was the what was it like when you got that the the heads up from the bookkeeper? You're at 80,000 turnover now. What what was going through your mind? Because terrifying. <laughs> um <laughs> absolutely terrifying. Um because it well there's a story behind it i actually had a different bookkeeper who didn't tell me oh okay because they weren't very good <laughs> um i have a new bookkeeper now who's amazing um so it was very much a oh this has already happened okay what so am you went i gonna through, do about it so i didn't have that foresight um so i had to make a quick decision um obviously i'd already done it so i had to roll with it and it was either keep scaling or you know, what, what else can I do? Um, it was really scary, really scary. Um, we're already quite expensive. So mm-hmm. it's reluctancy to put your prices up even more. Um, so we had a few tweaks and we tried to keep prices the same whilst reducing things slightly. So we shortened our classes by five, 10 minutes, um, which was a very educated decision, really. So it means that we can get more classes in, an extra class in on a Saturday, basically, for the same length of time I'm paying my staff, um, which counteracted our, our VAT a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's been a real shock. Um, we've been VAT registered for about 18 months, two years now. And yeah, it's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> so was it even, um, was it something on that you were thinking about? Did you Did you know it? Did you know to think about it? Did it, or all of a sudden you're just like, um, by the way, you're at a hundred thousand. I knew it was coming. 
but I wasn't quite sure when it was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I knew I would have to make the decision sooner or later. Um, but it just kicked me into going with it. You had no choice. <laughs> I had no choice. No, I had to then make a decision and go, right, let's do it. Um, the, yeah, it was quite scary at the time. Did that prompt the change in the bookkeeper or um, did something yes. else? Yes, yeah. it did. Because right. it goes back to the outsourcing. If I'm outsourcing something, I want to have 100% trust that, that person's doing their job properly and yeah. I can know it's being done properly. Um, and that lost my trust in them. Yeah. And then I sought new bookkeeper, a new accountant, and things are much better now. I've got a decent bookkeeper and accountant who do their job to the much better standard. Yeah, and you know, I'm always an advocate for uh, having an accountant in your life and bookkeeper for your you know volume of transactions is really high because I always call them like your your critical friend. You know, if I mm. I want to go out and so this year I invested in a, a company car um, for myself, but. I did nothing until I got all the figures and I sat down with the accountant and worked everything out to make sure that it was a sensible decision. I knew what my liabilities were going to be. I knew how much it was going to cost, et cetera, et cetera. And it's the same for any sort of big purchase or, or you know, any decisions, big decisions in your business. The, the, the accountant's there for, for to help with those decision makings and give you all aspects mm. financially, isn't it? Absolutely. I know our bookkeeper comes to see us once a quarter and she'll go, what was this expense for? Can we reduce that somehow? Can you do it slightly Mm. different? So she's not just a bookkeeper. She looks at things from a money point of view and says, I think you could save money there. Yeah. Um, So she actually helps us to make decisions about the business as well. Yeah. So um, were you left high and dry with the VAT? Were you you fined or did you were able to sort of sort it out? We were able to sort it out and it was all fine. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you know, having to consciously think of it. I remember at the beginning, I when we were just transitioning to VAT and we had our first host trainer come into the venue where we have somebody else with a different expertise come in and um, worked out all the pricing, put it all out there. And I went, oh, I forgot about VAT. <sighs> so I earned nothing. <laughs> I had eight people come to this lovely workshop and I didn't earn a penny because the profit that I thought I was getting was actually the VAT. I didn't make that mistake again. Good. Good. And how how did you um how did you go about sort of talking to your customers about it? Because a lot of people, you know, they have to they have to go VAT. I saw it, sometimes I explain it like imagine your your business runs January to December, and you hit eighty eighty five or eighty four thousand pounds in October. What do you do? Do you just close your close your doors and say, oh sorry, I'll be back again in January. Everyone's like, oh no, we can't do that. We make all our money in December. Yeah. You know, it's a decision, isn't it? To mm. there's a reason why your business gets to 85000 pounds And that's because you're doing well. That's because absolutely your clients love you. You know, your marketing is awesome. They keep coming back. They keep wanting more. So there's a reason why you get there to, to the 85,000. You've got to take a bit of reassurance in that, don't you? But um What's it's the- not the initial thought that goes through your head. No. <laughs> um, but once you've slept on it, yeah. you then go, oh yeah, this is a good thing. But this is the this is the 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 awesomeness of talking to other business owners who have gone through this process and and picking their brains and talking about their mindset at the time and how do they overcome the issues because you know it's a lonely world out there, isn't it, in business? Absolutely. It is, can be extremely I know before I had a team, it was very, very lonely. Um, and I didn't realize how lonely until I had somebody start working with me. And I was like, oh, this is nice. There's a person to talk to. <laughs> um, 
I can bounce ideas off of you. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's scary. I personally didn't tell my clients I was going VAT registered because being a business to client relationship doesn't really affect them. They can't claim it back. They can't right. do much about it. So I was like, they don't need to know. Um, so instead, we just made some tweaks inside internally. Um, yes, obviously, we put our prices up regularly anyway. So I'm sure it was around the time that we would have put our prices up. So we increased our prices. We made a few savings um, by chopping things around. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of carried on and nothing really changed in terms of what we deliver. Nothing that drastically changed in terms of how much we were charging. Um, but the two counteracted each other out and carried on. No one, no one noticed. No, in 18 months, here you are. You, you're still exactly. growing. You're still growing. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> and I, that's such a difference, isn't it? That's the that's the thing. The, the the decision or the worry is so much worse than actually the doing. Absolutely, yeah. And I was talking to a client on Monday. Um, I think that was yesterday, wasn't it? Yesterday <laughs> morning. And uh, and she's very much on the ball. She knows that VAT is looming. She knows that within three months, three or four months, she's going to go VAT registered. So she's on the ball. She's got the, the accountant, the bookkeeper there. They're helping her out. And But it's becoming a bit of a barrier for her. And she's like, you know, it's stopping me from progressing. It's stopping me from uh, moving my business on. I'm like, well, you know it's coming. Let's just do it. Yeah, do it now. Let's just get on with it. Yeah, it's hard. It is hard because all the worries creep in, don't they? And you go, well, what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? But yeah, you're right. Get on and do it. And then it's done. And you can move on and see it as a distant memory. Yeah, you can move forward. And you probably don't even... I mean, do you think about it anymore? I mean, obviously, I've just raised the issue, but <laughs> I only go, "Oh gosh, I hope I've got enough enough money." What's it going to be this time? But yeah, you always kind of go, "Well, I hope nothing happens that my VAT pot dwindles." Um, but it's about planning, isn't it? I think that's it. Took me a while to get into that of going. I now expect this big bill. I've got to save for it throughout the quarter, not just go, "Ah, it's due next week." Yeah. Um, <laughs> Is a new habit to get into. Yeah, and that rev- that also removes some of that fear, doesn't it? Because if you know, knowledge is power. Action beats anxiety. If you know that you're going to have a VAT bill at the end of the quarter, well, you know how much money is coming in every day, hopefully. So you can remove that that portion of the the money exactly. And it's something we always say in sort of dog training: be proactive, not reactive. Yeah. So. It, no problem's going to happen prepare for it plan for it and then you're not having to go oh dear i need to fix it <laughs> definitely and don't never never piss off the uh vat man or no <laughs> some, you know they're, they're very powerful people but but yeah Absolutely. you can plan for it you know what's happening you know modern technology now with like bank accounts like starling and monzo and metal where you can actually divide take off money and put them into yeah. it's all it's there it's an amazing new feature my i'm with starling and they've just introduced the split payments it's amazing it makes life so much easier rather than having to work out what is 20 percent of that <laughs> i've got a little story about that which uh which made robin laugh <laughs> um so i thought yeah you know i'll use the split function i've got to cream off 20 percent every time every payment that comes in so i invoiced out at 500 pounds plus vat so 600 mm-hmm. the payment came in a few days later so 600 pound landed in Stalin. i thought brilliant take 20 percent off so I took, moved 20% over and it was like 120 pounds. I was like, hold on. Well, this is not right. This is not right. And I'm like, this is really good. Why, why is it 
why am I invoicing out a hundred pounds VAT and then I'm then I'm separating out 120? And of course, Robin uh, quite rightly pointed out quite quickly. Well, you're taking 20% off the full amount, not the actual net amount. Oh, Which right. is something so simple when you realise. Yeah. But so, often with Anthony, it needs a new set of eyes, doesn't it? Just to look at it and go, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so my VAT pot at the moment is quite big <laughs> because I've been. Nice doing... position to be in. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice little savings pot. <laughs> So uh, I'm working with the bookkeeper now to get a, a real position on the on the VAT, so I can extract some of that money and put it into something else. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, you know these these things pop, crop up. But like you said, it's having and perhaps this is a good point to move on to coaching and mentoring because it's having someone else looking into your business from the outside in um, to help you with your business. So now I obviously I'm a, a business coach for the pet grooming world. Um, we, my wife and I, uh, reached out to a, a a normal business, a normal business coach, a, bi- a business coach that covers all all streams of businesses to help us with our business, and made incredible changes overnight when we when we signed up to that. Coaching and mentoring, like business coaching and business mentoring within the pet industry, it's not really something that's done a lot, is it? It's not something that you come across very often. It's not. I think if you know where to look for it. It's mm. there, but it's not something that's shouted about, and it's not something you often think you need until you have it. Yeah. What, what inspired you to reach out for? Or how many coaches or, or mentors have you had? So I have worked with two or three that I can remember. Racking <laughs> um, <laughs> my brains. Yeah, two or three. Um, some I've just made use of their free content as we all do because it's a nice tester to see if you're going to get on with them and I've seen a few useful things but then something's gone no I don't know about that um I've worked with two um as paid coaches and mentors um and I had a spell where I thought I didn't need it anymore Mm -hmm. um (laughs) which at the time was probably a good decision um but recently probably about a year ago coming up I started with a new business coach um and just having someone else see something from a new perspective you get stuck in a rut of thinking in a certain way Mm. and then having a fresh set of eyes or just someone to speak to even if you're not actually directly talking about your business um but generally hearing about their ideas and thoughts I feel it just helps you just look at things from a different way and see things differently um obviously some things apply some things don't but it really helps you to look at your business as a business because we get caught up in the day-to-day running of doing the job day in, day out. And before you know it, the next month has rolled by and you haven't done anything that you wanted to do. And that was me, to be honest, all these wonderful ideas. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. But then getting clogged down with the day-to-day stuff and then those big ideas never happen. Whereas Mm. having a business coach has helped me to put things aside that are not for me so I can delegate that task I don't need to reply to those emails I can give that to my office lady she can do it for me rather than me trying to do it all and then helping me to have better focus on where the business is going and where my energy needs to be um so I say I've found both both coaches I've worked with have been amazing in terms of just helping me be on the right track yeah, and I saw an amazing quote the other day, and I wish it was mine, but it wasn't. I can't take credit. It's off Facebook, but it was like when you start treating your business as a business, 
you'll start getting paid as a business. And I thought, yeah. that's, you know, a lot of people, um, and I, I want to help the pet grooming industry, like create careers, you know, it's a, a fantastic industry. It's so diverse and, you know, you can earn good money. And I want people to start looking at it and, and making a career out of what they're doing. The same as the dog trainers, like, like you are, like, like yeah. you're doing at the moment. Um, so what, what sort of things have a, has a business coach or mentor helped you with? I think to be confident in charging what I'm worth mm. because it's the same with the grooming industry. There's, there's kind of an idea that it's a hobby. It's something you just do in the back garden or it's something you just do when you've got a spare five minutes. It's not a career. Um, so you tend to get into the trap of, well, I can't charge X, Y, and Z because somebody else down the road in charge of tenor. So I have to be in line with them. So for me, working with this coach has made me realize that I can charge what I would like to be paid mm. and to feel confident that I am worth that investment for people. Um, and when people question it, I can answer honestly and say, this is why I'm more expensive. You can choose the cheaper version. You can choose me, but this is why I'm more expensive. Whereas before I'd have probably just gone, oh, okay, do you want it cheaper then? Um, <laughs> okay, I'll lower my prices for you. Um, whereas now I will say, this is why you, you need this package. This is why I would recommend the most expensive package, not the cheapest, because it's what you need. And this is why we charge more. So it gives you more confidence. And do you find... Confidence. Yeah, and do you find that um, a coach has kind of extracted your your personal qualities and made you realize what your personal personal qualities are absolutely I think it for me a coach they don't just see your business they see you it's helped me see my weaknesses mm -hmm. which I think is always very important I, you know it's often the yeah. thing that when you're asked for your strengths and weaknesses strengths are easy weaknesses are really hard are, are um, you happy to tell us uh yeah go for it um so my weaknesses are being too driven by emotions Okay. Um, and I will sort of sympathize with people when they ask for a refund for no reason. Um, and it's taken me a long time to go, no, my terms and conditions, you've messed me about. You can't cancel five minutes before and then expect a refund when my time has been blocked out. Um, so before I would have been a very kind about that and just gone, it's okay. Um, <laughs> whereas I've learned to be confident with that weakness now. Um, and separate I say that nice me from business me yes I am nice and I am polite and I will care about your you and your dog to the end of the earth I, you know, I'll think about them while I'm going to bed at night if they've got an issue but I still need to be paid and I still need to be treated as a business mm. which is something that I feel business coaching has helped me with um, because uh, most of us who work with dogs are really nice people yeah, um, yeah and we're it, it, caring yeah, and you actually this this um, come, came into the um, compassion fatigue talk as well because you're very empathetic, mm. a lot of empathy for people and for pets and for animals. So absolutely, when you put the two together, um, business and empathy doesn't always go together, does it? Because you see the other side of the argument or you see that person's point of view, and you're like, oh, I can I can really, but actually, absolutely, doesn't pay yeah. the bills. <laughs> so it's really yeah, exactly. It's, it's actually, you've got to think of yeah, your business pays your bills. And yes, you can be nice and kind, but people can't walk over you and they can't take advantage of that niceness, mm. um, which 
unfortunately some people do obviously um but it's the same as in energy you know, pet grooming as well you, know, you do feel for the clients the dogs that come in that need full shaving because they're matted or what have you you know you feel bad for the dog and the person you might go it took me four times longer but i'm gonna charge you the same price because i felt bad about the dog yeah yeah it's, it's that emotion taking over the business drive yeah it's so- hard to put the business first it really is so the, your your emotions kind of uh, over overtook, and you were giving discounts or giving money money away. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I'm better at not doing that now. These are these are our prices. You know, these are the the stipulations. These are the things we expect you to do. Um, and you, if you don't do them, if you don't stick to the rules, and if you don't stick to the terms and conditions, then you won't be getting a refund. Yeah. Um, and you can't mess me around. Um, but I think that comes with a confidence in yourself, in your business, in the service you deliver. But again, having that coach to kind of support you and go, you are worth it. Which yeah. when you work on your own is difficult. You it's can't being, always yeah. boost yourself up. It's being proud, isn't it? It's being proud of your business, being proud of your prices and say, yeah, I'm bloody expensive. I'm, yeah. I am worth it. What's what do you think about the term charge your worth? Because that gets bounded about so much within the, probably in the pet grooming, in the pet training industry, the charge your worth is, it's difficult, isn't it? I always say like, if you don't feel, if you, if you struggle with self-confidence and imposter syndrome, you're not going to feel very worthy at times. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's a journey I've been on very recently building my self-confidence. Mm. Um, and it has changed everything I do. Um, just to feel more confident in myself. Um, because otherwise you do go, well, I'm sure the trainer down the road is just as good as me, if not better. And you don't know, but you assume everyone else is better than you or you know, what they're doing is better than what you're doing. Um, so having that self-confidence means that you can charge your worth. Mm. And I think this is where, yes, we run a business and yes, we are an individual, but having... I recently saw them as being very different emotionally. Financially, they're very different. Emotionally, I saw them as very different. But very recently, I've realized that my personal state of mind has affected the business's success. So working on my own confidence and inner demons, so to speak, has helped the business to become more successful. Mm, Yeah. So looking at yourself and your own sort of mental health is really important. Yeah, I, I don't know what at what stage when you're running a business it becomes separated, but at our sort of level, you know, the you've got a small team, a sort of small business level, you are very interlinked, aren't you? You know, your personal life influences your business and your business influences your personal life. Absolutely. Financially and emotionally, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's not like running a multinational no. company where you're a director sitting and just pushing paper around. It's, it is, you, you are involved heavily involved in your business so it's natural that everything's going to intertwine but knowing which bits affect each other and and separate them out and working on them is really important is there any sort of books that you can recommend that you've read and thought yeah that's really sort of helped um no not really not in terms of books i've been doing other things um one book i've been recommended is on my shelf and i've started reading it but I'm notorious for starting a book and then going, oh, new book and starting a new book is Atomic Habits. Oh, yeah. Um, I've not read all of it yet. I'm just beginning, but it seems to be very good. And I've heard it's very good. Um, It's about creating better habits for yourself. 
And are you a, an avid listener of podcasts or audiobooks, or how do you how do you do that self development? How have you been working on that self development? For me, in person, things are are easier for me to access because I'm physically away from distractions of life and business, mm-hmm. um, and I'm present in the place. So I like to go to in person things over anything else. Um, but obviously, finding time to do those is tricky. Um, audiobooks for me are amazing because I can sit and listen to them. You know, when I'm driving from A to B or when I'm walking the dogs, if they're all behaving and I'm in my field where I don't have to worry about meeting anybody, um, it's they're the things that I tend to like. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, self-development, I spent 18 years in the police and they develop you skills wise, but there's not, I didn't find there was a lot of self-development. I lived with imposter syndrome. I didn't know it, what it was at the time for so long and it affected so much that I mm. did and starting to read and listen to audiobooks, listen to podcasts, it really starts to, you know, open up your, open up your mind. And I really encourage my clients to, to dig into those books, which I think, well, you know, I'm just a little business owner, but reading Atomic Habits, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, listening to um, like amazing business podcasts, because like you said, you can draw this information in and apply it to your business, can't you? Absolutely. And even if only one part of each episode or each bit is relevant, it's one thing you didn't know before. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's one extra thing. Yeah, email marketing. You know, there may be some some people that always do email marketing, but I never really thought of it as a thing for, you know, the pet grooming industry. But it's, it could be big. You know, your, your money's in your... Your money's in your list, as it were, you know, Absolutely. services and, and upsetting and stuff like that. But a lot of people probably just gloss over that bit because they think, well, it's not what this industry does. No, exactly. And I think especially, I mean, obviously I have a, a groomer for my boys um, and you you see them once. You don't see them again for three months or however long it is between your grooms. And in that time, you, generally speaking, I know from my groomer, I don't hear from her at all. Mm. Um, other than the fact that she comes into our barn and offers nail trims. Um, so I do see her every month for that. But as a business, you know, even if it's just a monthly email saying, hey, this time of year, do you know this grass seed's about? You, yeah. can, you can get them out. Um, it's just that touch point of constantly being at the front of people's minds. Yeah. And most people check their emails every day. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, you know, some people might be saying, well, but it's extra money or it's extra time. But actually investing that money in someone to do it for you, if you haven't got the time, mm-hmm. can hopefully make you more money with your upsells it goes back to repurposing content i don't know if that's something you talk about quite a lot but repurposing your stuff it doesn't most people aren't going to be following your instagram your facebook your podcast your um email marketing your newsletters and everything else because everyone has their favorite platform so you can use the same bit of information in five different places if they see it twice does that matter at least they've seen it once so it can just be a regeneration of your, your social media popped into an email. That's it. And it can be a regeneration of last year's work as well, can it really? Because yeah, you're not going to remember. In COVID times, I made this really silly idea that I thought about. Um, when, I, when we assumed that lockdown would be 30 days, I was like, oh, I'm going to write a daily email for lockdown. Well, it turned into like 156 emails. Um, and every day was something you could do with your dog or just a little tip or something. Um, and I found them about a year ago. And I was like, I wrote all of those. And I've gone through all of them, um, edited them so they're not COVID related. Yeah. And now my email marketer includes one in our email every week. My social media includes one of my social media each week. Otherwise, they'd have just been sat in a document, never seen. 
Yeah. And yes, some people read them three years ago, but I'm sure they don't remember. No, that's it. Marketing, marketing assets. Mm. Your your coach would be very proud. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um I think it sort of brings us into the that you just mentioned about your dog groomer. Um, you know, the um the working together, working collaboratively, you know, getting the getting the the, the different sectors of the pet industry together, you know, do you work with groomers? Do you work with vets? What's your sort of relationship like with these people? We are trying very hard to form relationships, trusted relationships, because as we've said, it's a very lonely industry. Mm. And most people work on their own. Most people work from home. They don't see people. For me, creating relationships with other dog professionals is so important because A, we're kind of in the same boat, although it's a different um, specialism, but we all share the same client base. They're all people with dogs. So if you've if you're a dog training school, all 90% of those dogs are going to need to go to a groomer. If you're a groomer, most people are going to need training. Most are going to need a dog walker. Most are going to need boarding facilities. So we can share that knowledge and that skill set between us and go, well, this would help me as a groomer. That would help me as a dog trainer if dogs came, then they could see um, (laughs) because it would be quite useful. So we can share information between each other. So I do think it's really important. We, um, since we moved into our venue, we have a annual event where we invite all of, a few, can't everybody, but um, a few other professionals in the area to come and join us for an evening just to make connections Mm. Um, but we do have connections with the groomers. We have a groomer come and hire our space once a month. So on the day that we've got our busiest client day, um, she offers nail trims. Nice. And majority of the people that come for a nail trim have turned into her clients. So she has gained a lot of new clients from just popping in and doing nail trims, which is lovely for her. Equally, mm. she sent a few people our way. Um, we also have a canine um, masseuse and chiropractor come in and again hire the space to use our venue for her treatments. Um, and we have dog groomers, I'd say dog groomers, uh, other professionals, behaviorists come in and we've had other people use the venue for filming. So we have got quite a lot of connections with different people, all with their own different expertise. And it's so nice to be able to work together and obviously share business tips, um, different clients. We've got a strong relationship. So now, when you, someone says to me, what groomer should I use? Obviously, I point them towards our groomer. Yeah. Um, and the same goes with all the others. We know, like, and trust each other, and therefore we provide recommendations to those people. So working and forming relationships with other people, even if they're not directly linked, I think it's really important. And I think it can give your customers value as well. So if you're a pet groomer and you've had a dog in for a first or second visit and they're really struggling with a particular issue, and they've they've been and spoken to a dog trainer. They know the boundaries. They know what they what can and can't be done with the training and and the processes and how it works. When you hand that dog back over to the client and say, "Look, we've really struggled with Fluffy today," you know, um, I can highly recommend this trainer who I've spoken to on the phone, and and they think they can really start to solve your problem by X, Y, and Z. That person would be like, "Oh my god, that." I've got that problem at home. You've just like given me a solution. You're Absolutely. adding value, adding value mm. to, to that service. Yeah. And again, it's it's that 
personal approach. They, you become then their go-to. When mm. they need somebody else, they'll say, oh, you don't suppose you know a, a yeah. dog boarder or a walker or somebody yeah. else? They'll go, oh, yeah, I know somebody. And then you are becoming their, their fountain of knowledge. Yeah, and I was just thinking, you're always in their mind then, oh, I need to mm. speak to the groomer, I need to speak to the dog trainer, see if they've got a recommendation, see if they, I'll just go and ask their Facebook page or email them. Yeah. You're constantly in their in their head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When they go, oh, I wonder, oh, I'm looking for this, they'll go, I know who to ask. Yeah. Um, so you you do become their doggy Bible almost, of, or directory of who who's the good people to talk to in your area. I think... Some business owners, especially when they're new, they're, they're, they're hesitant or they're worried about reaching out to, to other businesses in the area. They might see like see them as competition or they might worry what other people will think of them or have an opinion about them. But, you know, I think if you you've got to go out and make that first approach, you've got. To- you have. Yeah. Um, and I think it's one of those things. I remember somebody saying to me, you know, think about how many dogs are actually in your, your town. Yeah. Can you service all of them? And the likelihood is no. <laughs> you know, unless you want to work 24-7, you are not going to be able to help everybody. But having, yes, we can see it as competition, but if you've got three grooms in your village and one of them's full and they send them to the next person, when they're full, they're going to do the same to you and you're yeah. going to cross over. We have the same with trainers. We work with one trainer who um, recommends us for a certain thing that she doesn't offer. And likewise, we recommend her for the thing we don't offer. So. Although we're in competition for you know, your standard puppy classes, et cetera, there's other things that we both have our specialism in and then we can pass clients between us. Yeah. Do you do you see like with your higher prices, do you feel as though do you inspire the other dog trainers around you to to charge better or is that not really happened? Um, it's not something I've ever considered. Yeah. I'll have to have a look and see. And uh, maybe, maybe. Um, I think you... From my point of view, if I've looked at somebody else who's more expensive, I say, well, if they can charge it, why can't I? Mm. So I would like to think we have inspired people. Industry leader, right there. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I bet uh, I bet the industry blew up over COVID and online training. I bet that probably caused a bit of uh, controversy. I don't think many people did online, to be perfectly honest. Um, not live, anyway. A lot of people did pre-recorded. But yeah, you know, there is... Now, I suppose with online, you've got competition from anywhere, haven't you? Yeah. Not just your local train down the road. You you can be uh, in competition with many other people. But it's healthy. It drives it you. Is. It is. And I think it comes down to that you, know, you can't compare yourself to others because that gets into a dangerous zone of going, well, what do they do better than us? What are, you know, why are they better? Why are they more successful? Um, but we can definitely take inspiration from each other. Love it inspiration definitely That's and see what's possible don't compete be inspired mm, yeah absolutely and it can be inspiring if you see somebody else doing an idea you go that looks good i could do it in a slightly different way or i can take that idea and sort of change it and do something different with it and um, there are so many opportunities that's awesome um where we've got you we've got a quick dog training question come in oh oh let me just read it um, uh, Sharon who's listening at the moment uh, I've always wanted to ask a dog, a dog trainer this what do they think about current trend to baby and overprotect the dogs so like you know the cockapoo 
is the is the the child the children have left home they buy a cockapoo and it becomes the new <laughs> the new baby um especially the nervous ones you know and sometimes it goes on to make the dogs nervous i think i find these owners difficult to deal with and often wonder why trainers don't address this more any comments thoughts or advice do you get these kind of um people coming into your training business you know do they recognize that their dogs are are nervous and uh and how do you deal with the the people that in you know, they, they may make the dog nervous by the way they treat their dog. I am a very, I try and promote, um, let your dog be a dog. Yeah. Um, just because it's small. Um, it's got legs, it can walk. <laughs> exactly. Just because it's small or just because it's what have you, whatever its needs are, you still need to let it be a dog. And I'm very passionate in dogs being able to make decisions. Um, you know, if your dog is saying they don't want to do something, don't force them. <laughs> Let them tell you they don't want to do it and work out why. What's the reason? I'm yeah, I, I don't agree with babying dogs. You know, I hate the term fur baby. Um, <laughs> <That is real. laughs> because it, yes, they are. I mean, my boys are my babies and I adore them, but I treat them as dogs. Yeah. Um, they are dogs for foremost. You know, that's it. Um, I will treat them in love. In fact, you know, like I had a sausage for breakfast here, guys. You can split it in three, you can all have a bit. Um, I spoil my dogs but in a way that dogs should or can be spoiled rather than in making them troublesome. And um, I think a lot of insecurities often come from the person. That's the word, insecure. You know, their, their attitude rubs off from their dog and makes them nervous, don't they? Yeah. And I think a lot of it is dogs feel so much from their people and they, they do feel your energy and they do respond to that, some more than others. But... Again, I think it's a address the people. What's why are the people feeling that way? You know, are they trying to baby their dog because they haven't got their own baby or their babies have moved out? Um, helping them overcome that emotion and to see how they could treat their dog not as a baby or as a trying to micromanage their world, but to help them be the dog they can be, almost like a hands off approach helping them to see a new way of doing things can be quite effective. Um, and I, I, you know, there's always, yes, do people know their own dog. Um, I know one of mine, for example, my youngest, um, he's a little bit weird um, and he's a little bit quirky and he's, he is scared of going to the groomer. We've worked very hard with my groomer to help him be more confident. Um, but there comes a point where I just have to go, you're staying by yourself and I will be back. Um, <laughs> But I appreciate it. it takes me 10 minutes to get him in the door and we take the pressure off and we play games and we have some fun. In you go. Um, but he's fine when he's there. Um, mm. But yeah, there is obviously that that new sort of, yeah, this is my baby. Um, but I think, again, it comes down to education, educating the owners that what you can do to help them and what you might be doing that isn't helping them in the nicest, kindest way possible. Nobody likes to be told you're doing this wrong. No, I mean, we were talking about this earlier, about the puppy the puppy pack program, puppy packages. We we offer puppy packages with, uh, you know, to get them used to grooming. Maybe this is a, a mini book that when, yeah. they, when they book in their puppy grooming package, they get sent a, a free. Yeah, absolutely. Like, three or five page mini book that's written by the groomer about preparing your dog for grooming. And, and, and that can transfer to everything. Yeah. yeah. Talking yeah, about the psychology in that. 
exactly. And you know, how do you be confident? You know, if you've got any worries, talk to me about it beforehand. How can you help your dog be confident? And I suppose also the trainers, uh, the groomers having a little bit of training knowledge in terms of how they can help the dog settle in as well. Um, I know off topic, my sister's a dog photographer, um, mm. like to keep it in the family. Um, and she has mass extensive resources of before you come for your photo shoot, this is what you need to do to meet people's expectations. Um, Because most people will go to a photo shoot and then expect their dog to sit, stay when they've never, ever taught them how to sit, stay. Um, So she gives them advice as to this is the training exercise you can do with your dog before your photo shoot. This is what's going to happen. This is the process. Um, So they get the knowledge beforehand. And I think then sometimes they relax a little bit more because they know what's going to happen. And it's like with anything, you know your job fully. You know exactly what to expect. And you almost forget that some people have no idea of what's going to happen. And um, if they've never had a dog before or they've never had a dog that's been to a groomer before, it's a complete new experience for the dog, but also for the people. Mm. So having almost just like a little video of saying this is what's going to happen or a little walkthrough of the, of the grooming studio or just a PDF document saying this is what's going to happen step by step. If you do X, Y, and Z, your puppies and your dogs are going to enjoy it more. You're setting up expectations. Yeah. You know, and someone said to someone put a, a, a post out the other earlier today saying, you know, there's five groomers in the village. How do I stand out? We've just answered that question. How do you stand out? You provide extra value to your customers. Mm. So when they look at the puppy, what's available for their for their brand new puppy, you know, they're in their, their puppy honeymoon period. They're, they've spent a lot of money on their puppy. They're going to spend money on their grooming to make sure that it's, you know, they've, they've bought the expensive vet package where they get the, the flea and worm treatment. Yeah. And this is the time to get them in that. But when they're looking at all the other groomers and what they offer, you can stand out by offering this, you know, the, the worksheets, the free booklet about how mm. to prepare your dog for grooming, you know, absolutely the little towel when it comes in and, and all that, that's all value, isn't it? Um, it is. And it's the little things that people really like and that make you feel special. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go, Sharon Montgomery, shout out to yourself. You've got a task to go and write a little <laughs> uh, workbook on how to, uh, how to help, parents pet parents start their pets puppy journey (laughs) (laughs) one thing i find is so important is standing by your ethos and not letting other people or not letting the pressure to get clients Mm. let you loosen your values almost that sounds like loose values that sounds a bit dodgy um (laughs) but you know i'm very strict on this is what i expect and these are my values this is what i expect from you coming to me i will not allow aversive equipment no matter what excuse you've got it's not coming into my training space i am very strict on the fact that i'm not going to have it happen um maybe too strict i may well turn clients away but they're not obviously the right clients for us um, yeah. And I am first and foremost, the dog's welfare comes first. So it's hard to do. Again, it comes down to that confidence. It's hard to be confident enough in yourself and your business to go. I will not wane. I will not go. Oh, just you. Okay, that's fine. You've got to be strong enough in your values to then deliver that confident service. But 
the the important thing about that, you know, having those correct boundaries and values around your customers and who you will and won't accept, that will give you longevity in your business because you'll you'll avoid that burnout, hopefully help towards avoiding that compassion fatigue and be a mm-hmm. happier business owner. Yeah, absolutely. Makes your business a better place for people to come and go to. Yeah, absolutely it does. It's a better place to be. And I think yeah. we'll leave that. We'll we'll leave it on that on that happy note. <laughs> Okie dokie. It's been lovely. Thank it's been you awesome. You know, and I think people are going to listen to this and watch this back and they're going to thank you for being so frank and open and honest about your business journey and your your weaknesses and, and stuff like that. Because, you know, it's not it's lovely to hear it from other people and know that if you're feeling like this, you, you're not alone. You're not yeah. absolutely not alone. No, everyone's felt it at some point. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's good to know that you're not alone. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you very much. And we'll let you uh, get on with your day. Okie doke. Thank you very much. Okay. See you later. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Please make sure you give us a like or a review to help people find it. The podcast is sponsored by Lowpay. Head over to www.lowpay.com to find out more about their payment solution.